Well, Jordan Love will be playing inside of Lucas Oil Stadium in 2020, but that will be on the visiting sideline whenever the Green Bay Packers descend upon the city of Indianapolis. I'm Kevin Bowen, back another edition of Kevin's Corner. Day one of the NFL draft is complete. It is 12.30 a.m. Friday morning, recording a uh, new edition of Kevin's Corner. Fresh off of what, about 90 minutes ago, by mentions, maybe a little bit Longer than that, my mentions building in building when Jordan Love's name continued to stay on the board into the mid 20s. I believe it reached what 26 overall when uh, Green Bay traded up with Miami to take Jordan Love there at number 26. And the Colts stay pat on day one, number 34 and 44. Those will be the two picks in round two, and the number 75 overall for Chris Bowden and company come Friday as we get into day two of the draft. So seven picks still for the Colts general manager here in 2020. We'll see if a trade back occurs. Um, as I said, I wanted to get to a day one recap podcast, no matter what happened. And we'll uh, we'll go over certainly the Jordan Love drama that played out on Thursday night. We'll get into a little bit of trade, potentially talk with Malik Hooker, Quincy Wilson, um, Jacoby Brissett, you know, some of those names that have been floated around to me. Um, some of the top players available, of course, as well. We'll touch on that heading into day two and uh, take a handful of Twitter questions uh, before I wrap up an abbreviated podcast and get to bed early because, um, yeah, I, I got ready to do it seven what 7.30 in the morning, I think. So, yeah, it'll be a uh, quick night, but that's typical in the old NFL draft. Uh, all in all, I thought he did a really nice job. I thought – Roger Goodell played his role pretty well, and um, yeah, so that was good. Uh, draft intrigue-wise, I didn't think it was too crazy of a night. Um, when Love got to, you know, 20-ish, and you saw the teams, like, what was it, the Raiders and Jacksonville, the New England move out of the first round, it, it started to, I think, rise a little bit more in my mind of like, all right, here you go. Um, are you going to make a move? And I think when we saw the Colts trade out of 13, that was one indication of what they felt like for Jordan Love. And then I think the lack of pouncing on that opportunity, even when he was at 22, 23, 24, I think that further shows you that there was intrigue, but not enough intrigue, um, you know, to move up, whatever, 10 picks, um, you know, something around that, because not like Green Bay's price was huge. I mean, they moved up four spots, gave up a fourth rounder. You know, for the Colts to go from 34 to 26, what, you know, maybe it would have taken a third rounder, um, something along those lines. And would I have done it? Yeah, I I probably would have. Um, you guys know full well what I think of the long-term quarterback need. Um, I believe in Frank Reich and developing quarterbacks. I think there are some really uncoachable traits that Jordan Love brings to the table that no amount of coaching um, can develop. And then him sitting for a year, maybe two years, like Aaron Rodgers did or like you know even Phillip Rivers did, um, that would have been really, really enticing to me. So um, I would have looked long and hard at it. And when San Francisco – Moved up to 25. I was kind of like, okay, that takes away a trade partner. You had Seattle sitting there at 27. We know the Colts' history with the Seahawks and their personnel department. 
Um, but, you know, clearly Green Bay wanted to make a move, and Miami is not, you know, shied away from even having all of those first-round picks saying that they want to want to move back. Um, but, I, again, I just don't think it ever got to the point for the Colts that they felt like Jordan Love was worthy enough to trade up for. Um, they were not going to, um, you know, whatever, take that chance or give up the, the draft capital. And uh, now when you look at it, sitting there at 34, um, to me, a, a trade-back possibility seems like the most likely option for this football team because I believe that the 2021 draft is where you got to find that long-term you know, quarterback need and to build some of that draft capital to prepare for a potential trade-up. Um, I think trading back tomorrow night, or I guess tonight, um, would make the most sense. You know, and I also wonder how much the lack of this offseason played into the Colts not feeling totally comfortable trading up for Jordan Love. You know, Frank Reich mentioned at the Combine full well that for any team, especially the Colts, to feel totally comfortable about making that franchise quarterback pick and a la forcing it, if you will, to use a term from Chris Ballard, you really have to have one-on-one interaction with that guy. Um and I, I don't think the Colts had a lot of opportunity to do that throughout this draft process. Um, and, and then again, were the traits that Love doesn't maybe have crystal clear of his pre-snap handling of things, the ability to process, and you know just kind of that quick anticipation through an offense that is vastly different from what he would play in here in Indianapolis, uh, maybe the Colts felt like that couldn't be developed, or at least wasn't the risk uh, worth the risk of uh, of moving up, you know, um, 10, 10 picks or so. Um, so I think all those played into the decision ultimately to stand pat at 34, let Jordan Love go. And uh, now, again, the Colts will have seven picks as, um, as Friday night gets underway. Um, moving into the Malik Hooker trade debate, uh, I, I would not do that. No, I'm not a fan of it, to be honest with you. He's 24 years old. I think he's about to enter, should be entering a very motivated part of his career, you know, late into that rookie contract. He's getting healthier. Um, you know, obviously he had the ACL in his 2017 rookie campaign, but you know, he's only missed five games, which isn't great durability, but you know, it's at least notable durability. Um, and when you look at his production with the ball, I mean, he's had seven interceptions in 34 career games. That's still pretty darn good. You know, has he lived up to the 15th overall pick? No, he has not. But I consider um, him still a very young player on a very affordable contract, even picking up that fifth-year option here in a couple weeks to what um, he'd be making in that 2021 season, the fifth year on that rookie deal. Again, I think it's very affordable, and I, I just want to see him with a better defensive line. You know, what is DeForest Buckner going to do for him? Now, last year, when quarterbacks targeted Hooker, I mean, they, they had a lot of success, but um, I, I would not be parting ways. I, I think you're creating a need. I know there's a lot of safeties on the board. I don't think a single safety went, if I'm not mistaken, in round one. Um, but still, I, I, I'm holding on to Malik Hooker. I think him and Kari Willis make a nice little pairing. And who are your backups? You know, 
Like, who would you turn to and say, okay, here's your new starting safety? I mean, to be honest, I, I would listen to a trade offer to just about anybody not named Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard. And honestly, I'd probably even listen to like those trade offers just to entertain the nonsense that some of these GMs want to talk about because hopefully by listening to their trade offers, I would get to know something about their team that maybe I didn't know already. And that's just, I think, part of a job for any GM. But I, I can't see the value for Hooker being anything better than whatever. Third round pick, maybe, maybe. So yeah, trade wise, I mean, Brissett, I, I can't see him being moved during this week. Maybe you can get Quincy Wilson for that seventh round pick, a la Henry Anderson a few years ago, Hassan Ridgeway, because I, I think from numbers game you have Rhodes, Xavier Rhodes, you have T.J. Carey. I mean, less of those guys are total flops. I just don't see Quincy Wilson making. Um, his way on this 53-man roster. And he certainly had a few tweets about this, and we know full well what he's done to his Instagram page and things like that. So um, we'll see how that plays out the next couple of days. Uh, the Colts made two moves for Trey Burton and, and Marcus Johnson. I'm a fan of both of those moves. Am I a fan of either of them to say it should eliminate tight end or wide out from the draft board? Not at all. Um, let's start with Burton. First off, even though he is undersized for a tight end, he's had some moments as a pretty good run blocker. And the receiving ability for him, dating back to his days at Florida and obviously what he did with Frank Reich in Philly, I think that's what we all know him you know, as. And the blocking that he showed in Chicago two years ago, pre-injury, injuries I should say, I just look at him when healthy. That's a versatile um, potential H-back. You don't tip your hand when he comes on the field. I mean, those things are really, really enticing um, to me and I think to Frank Reich, certainly. So I, I'm a fan of kicking the tires on it. Um, you know, he really emerged in the NFL under Frank Reich. You know, he, he didn't. He had very, two very quiet um, first two seasons in the NFL as an undrafted free agent. And then that 2016-2017 campaigns, that's when he really um, – showed that he could be, you know, potentially a number one tight end. Chicago took a chance, had a nice 2018 season, and then the injury bug, you know, totally eliminated him really in 2019, missed half the season. And, and when he was on the field, he struggled with some drops and, and did not produce at all at a even close to an adequate level. So I think what you're getting with Burton is just a potential – compliment to Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox. It's a short-term need. It's a very cheap contract, which you love. Um, maybe it slightly lessens like the demand I think I would have for a tight end over the next two days. But if the right guy is on the board at that position, I am not turning away from it. Not at all. You, you can't put that much faith in a guy that's coming off hip calf injuries, two surgeries in the last whatever year. Um, I'm not totally eliminating it by any means. But still, Frank Reich uses four tight ends a lot. We've seen five tight ends even on the board at times for the Colts on their 53-man roster. So, yeah, I'm a fan of this move for sure. Marcus Johnson, you know, gives you the speed vertical 
skill set. Um, I do find it a little bit odd that he was a restricted free agent and the Colts didn't throw out that tender initially, but now we're over a month into free agency and um, a reunion now happens. But um, I, I don't look at Johnson and think anything more of he's competing for a roster spot. You know, draft a tight end or, or draft a wideout or two, and then Marcus Johnson and, and Reese Fountain and, you know, Ashton Doolin or whoever else compete for kind of that final wideout spot. And the Colts have always been fans of him. You know, Frank Reich was with him in Philly when he was undrafted out of Texas. Uh, they traded for him. The Colts did one of the rare kind of player trades they've executed under the Chris Ballard regime. And, and when healthy, I think he showed some flashes to separate and make some plays. So I like having him back, uh, but by no means. Wide, or tight end, the Burton move, okay, lessens that need by a little. The Johnson move does not lessen how important wideout is by any means to me. By any means. You know, going into tomorrow, I think um, I think the biggest immediate needs for the Colts are wideout, offensive line depth. Um, I could probably be talked, excuse me, I could probably be talked into kind of a rundown defensive end. You know, I, I've said I think Danico Autry and Tyquan Lewis could could play over there on those early downs, but I, I still think that's an immediate need that doesn't have an obvious answer uh, and then tight end db depth and then another wide out again those are the immediate needs when i take a more of a long-term view quarterback of course number one on that list and then you get into wide out you get into um defensive end with justin houston's age and and him going into a contract year and offensive tackle and and tight end and corner would all fall into that and I guess going back to the Jordan Love thing, another reason that I probably was a fan of it more so than than clearly the Colts were is just because I, I feel like the Colts are in a quality over quantity standpoint with their draft picks. Even though they only have seven, I don't look at it of like, oh, you need nine or ten this year in 2020 because you, know, you had three draft picks not make the roster last year. You've gotten to a point where your roster is very stable from a 1-53 to 53 standpoint, and I just think it, it, it's higher-end quality at important positions. I think that's what we have to remember as well. The critical positions in this league, quarterback, wideout, edge rusher, left tackle, you know, those are the spots that um, the Colts don't have the kind of crystal clear future on. And so... I feel like those have got to be, again, top of mind as you get into day two. My, uh, my, my mock draft still holds true. Michael Pittman, Cole Komet, 34 and 44. Anthony Gordon at 75. Matthew Pert at 122. Kavon Wallace at 160. The Clemson DB. And then I round out a wideout running back, Lawrence Cager, Anthony McFarland. So we'll see how all that plays out. Um, and, and like I said earlier, before I get to a handful of Twitter questions, I think a trade is very, very possible uh, tomorrow night. You know, if you traded back and wanted to acquire more picks for this year, if you move back from 34 to 41, and I use 41 because that's Cleveland. Andrew Barry has some history with some people in the uh, Indianapolis personnel department. Barry, obviously the new 
GM for the Browns. You can get, you know, uh, a, an early fourth round pick, maybe 115 from Cleveland. That would, you know, give you what? Five picks, I think, in the 40 to 120 ish range. So if you're going, if the goal is to acquire more picks for 2020, that would accomplish it while, while still giving you, you know, two top half second round draft picks, 41 and then 44. The other trade that I've thrown out there, again, just kind of a, uh, a possibility if you're looking to 2021, you would trade totally out of number 34. And I picked the Jets as a trade partner. You would get their second rounder next year and then also get their fourth rounder this year. So I think that's 120 overall. So obviously it would not do anything for your draft capital this year. It would lessen it by a, a, a significant amount. You'd still stay in the second round with 44 overall, but that is the thinking of like, okay, trade up for a QB next year. Mortgage a draft for, you know, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, whoever, whatever that quarterback hierarchy looks like in, um, in 2021. So, yeah. I think trade certainly has to be. And, and, and the Colts are going to get a ton of calls. I mean, the Colts are in the same position right now they were in last year. They go to bed Thursday night with 34th overall pick. Last year they traded back to get it. They fielded a whole lot of trade calls on Friday. They will do the same thing tomorrow. Um, what, Cincinnati's above them at 33? So they, they're going to know what that is going to look like for them at 34. And at this point, I, I, kind, of, I kind of think they're going to trade back unless they absolutely love one of those wideouts or Ezra Cleveland or something like that. Because um, I, I didn't think there were like any like big droppers. You know, Maybe Xavier McKinney, the safety out of Alabama. But outside of that, I didn't think there were any like, wow, I cannot believe you know that guy is going to be available on day two. All right, I asked for three Twitter questions. I lied. I'm going to take five? Five. All right, let's start with Madison. Higgins, Mims, or Claypool at 34? Okay, out of that group, Madison, I'm probably going Mims, although I do love Chase Claypool. But, um... Yeah, probably going Mims based off what he did at the Senior Bowl. And again, those those testing traits are are eye-popping to say the least. But what about Michael Pittman? I, I just think his polish is there. I think he's a pretty good athlete for 6'4 and, and 2 whatever he is, 220, 220-plus. Um, so again, he is still the guy that I'm going to have in that group there at 34. All right, Eddie. My boy Eddie Garrison chiming in here. Love this. With the number of guys who are expected to be first-round picks still on the board, what's the likelihood the Colts trade 34 to move back a couple spots? Yeah, Eddie, I'd almost be surprised if they stayed there. You know, I just think when you look at Chris Bauer's history of drafts and you also think about that long-term quarterback need and you don't have the extra second-round pick next year, you expect to be a better football team next year, so you aren't going to be drafting hopefully for the Colts' sake, you know, in the top half of the first round or any round, I think you got to seriously look at it. Um, like I said, I'm more of a quality over quantity. I don't look at trading back and saying you should do that because I'd rather have nine darts at the board this year than seven. I look at it of go find me a 2021 draft pick that's, you know, notable. 
Alan, do you think we had a deal with Seattle to take love of the 27th pick until Green Bay took him at 26? I don't think so, honestly. Yeah, I mean, again, I feel like if the Colts really, really liked Jordan Love, you would have stayed there at 13. If you liked him a decent amount and thought there were developmental traits, you wouldn't have risked it. You know, once he was there at 22, 23 and got past the 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 um, Vegas, Jacksonville, New England trades out of the first round, once he got past that bunch, I would have probably have pulled the trigger if I was Chris Ballard. Um, so clearly... I don't think the Colts were um, were that into Jordan Love because it would not have cost you that much. Probably a third round pick, you know, to move thirty four to twenty six. Colin, if we trade Hooker as Grant Delpit on the table, could be a difference maker. Yeah, I just I, again, I, I would be somewhat surprised if Malik Hooker was was traded. I, I think this is a lot, a lot of smoke. Um, if you're going to do it, certainly one of these safeties has to be taken. And all of them are on the board. You know, Xavier McKinney and Kyle Duggar and Jeremy Chin, the local product from Fishers, and Delpit's still on the board. Antoine Winfield's still on the board. Ashton Davis, if you think he can be a safety, he's still on the board as well. So, But, again, I just don't. You know, can you get a third rounder for him? I'm not moving on from Malik Hooker. Let's close with Jordan. I know we have a lot of players already on the D-line, but how about Ross Blacklock? TCU product, right? Blacklock, Ballard preached about depth, and he always says O-line, D-line are coveted. Jordan, I don't disagree with you there, and I don't think we should overlook it. You know, if you're going to make me rank the positions I think are most likely to go at 34 in Chris Ballard's eyes, I'd say wide out. Not from what Ballard believes in, but from the best player available sort of philosophy. If that's really the route that you go, there's a lot of good wideouts still there. Uh, now, like you said, the core beliefs on the defensive and offensive line speak for themselves for Chris Ballard. So, you know, Marlon Davidson still up there. AJ Epineza still up there. Uh, Ezra Cleveland, the tackle from Boise State, still on the board as well. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not ruling out trenches at all. In that second round. I am not. So yeah. Little abbreviated Kevin's Corner. Give you a little 20-25 minuter. Uh, to get you through Friday. I've posted the. Top prospects available. On day two. Check that out. On 107.5thefan.com. Tomorrow night will be very very busy for the Colts. Um, and Yeah. Uh, seven picks to go. If you have any questions, you guys know where to find me, KBone1070. As far as the next pod, probably not till very late Sunday into Monday. Uh, once they start picking, I kind of just want to get through the whole draft. And um, the old buffer from, you know, ending the draft at midnight on Thursday to not, dra- you know, not starting the draft again until Friday at 7 allows for a little bit of time for you guys to consume this podcast. Friday, we don't have that. You know, Friday, the draft ends at midnight. And then the first round or the fourth round starts on at noon on Saturday. So uh, yeah, probably uh, Sunday. From what I've understood, it sounds like Chris Bauer will still do his um, his draft film room stuff. That is the plan for now. So we'll see how all that unfolds in the quarantine life. So yeah, sorry Colts fans that wanted Jordan Love. I know there's a lot of intrigue about it. Um, they they there was interest, there was intrigue. 
but um, I just don't think they fell in love enough. Um, and, and there's zero pun intended there with uh, some of those traits that they saw when taking a closer look at them. So, yeah, 34, 44, 75, that will be the order for now for the Colts on Friday night. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe. And, uh, yeah, K-Bowen 1070. See ya.